This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Tell me to pray. I say, I'm pray- I am praying for you. I take that seriously. If I can't pray for you there, you say, hey, I need prayer. I'll pray for you right there. Now, if I say, I will be praying, that means I'm continually to pray for you. Not just pray for you one time. I'm going to be praying, interceding for you constantly, without ceasing, continuing, laboring in prayer. And that's what we do for the church as a whole. And we do it. Paul wanted the believers to know that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayer. Today, Pastor Eddie shares with us why prayer needs to be a habit of the church. As we look to Paul, we see that he regularly made mention of fellow believers in his prayers. This tells us that Paul thought this to be a crucial habit in the church. Prayer tells God that we have faith in him and that we wish to consult with him. It's an important connection with him that we let go unused too often. Make it a point to pray for your church. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie with part one of his message. Well, in our last study, we studied the first seven verses of Romans chapter 1, which gave us Paul's salutation and greetings to the church of Rome. Now, it is by far the longest introduction, the longest greeting of any of Paul's epistles. 14, or 13 epistles, 14 if you consider Paul to be the author of the book of Hebrews. The first thing Paul does is he identifies himself with a humble title. He calls himself, he said, I, Paul, a bond servant. A bond servant in the Greek is doulos, which is a bond slave. A bond slave is one who gives himself up for another's will or is a property of his master. And that is what Paul is saying. I am a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Paul calls himself a bond servant of Jesus Christ. And secondly, Paul called himself an apostle. An apostle, the word means one who is sent out or one who is sent out with authority. And that authority comes from the Lord. Now, the apostleship, you see a lot of titles out there. But according to scriptures, if one calls himself today an apostle, and it goes against a lot of the scriptures, we see one that when the disciples after the day, after the Lord ascended to heaven, Jesus Christ, they waited in the upper room. They said, we need 12. Judas had committed suicide. He's no longer with us. We need a 12th person. They voted. They cast lots. But before they did that, the qualification that Peter said in Acts chapter 2 was that that individual must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Not many people qualify for that. There was a large group other than the twelve that there were a lot of people that witnessed, and Matthias was the one that was kind of cast in because Matthias was there. And though the scriptures only give us 12 disciples, Jesus had many disciples. They have to have seen the resurrection Christ, and Paul did see and witness the resurrected Christ. When? At the road of Damascus. When he was on the road of Damascus to persecute the church, there he saw the Lord. Paul was not one who was self-appointed. 
as we have many today, love to appoint themselves. And I take that with fear and tremble. Uh, I know a lot of people, they really don't, but they like to appoint themselves. As a matter of fact, they could go online and be an ordained minister through their computer. Uh, That's not the way it works with any title or any leadership. Here, Paul identifies himself as an apostle. He humbles himself as a humble servant of the Lord, a bondservant and an apostle. In Corinthians chapter 15, he says that he's the least of the apostles. In Ephesians chapter 3, he says, I'm less than the least of the saints. So when it came to the saints, fellow believers in Christ, he considered himself the least. When it came to the title as apostle, he considered himself the least. And at the very end of his ministry, this is what I love about Paul, just days away from being martyred, he says, I am the chief of all sinners. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. The end of his ministry. This is what he says of himself. That's humble. And that's why I say, listen, I am just like you. I am not better than you. Don't ever consider anyone on the pulpit better than you. Never, ever. And shame on them that they think that they are better than the people they're shepherding over. God forbid. We're in this, like I like John Corey said, we're in this hospital together. I love that. We're in the hospital. We all belong in the hospital. I have that little roll with the little tiny thing where you type in the back and the foam slippers, depending on what hospital you go to. You get some fancy one. But we're all in the same place. We need to be in this hospital. Paul never thought highly of himself. He humbled himself, especially when it came to titles. When it came to titles, he was the least. When it came to being a sitter, he was a chief. And so Paul was a bondservant, an apostle, separate unto God, separate unto the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news, good tidings. And that's what he was. He was separated for the gospel. And talking about being sold out for Jesus, this is who he was. This was his heart. I am sold out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know for me, that was my commitment. I just don't want to be a Christian. I just don't want to come to church. I just don't want to play church. I just don't want to have five or 20 Bibles in my home and call myself a Christian. For me, I say, you know what? I'm sold out. I, want, I am sold out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this was Paul. And so Paul, he now continues on. Uh, We continue in our study of chapter 1. After Paul has given his greetings in verses 1 through 7, verse 8, Paul continues his letter expressing his appreciation for the the testimony that the church of Rome had. So let us look at verse 8. He said, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken throughout the whole world. Paul begins by with the word first. The word first is mentioned, but the word second is not mentioned. He is not giving a list of things, but when he says first, what Paul is saying, before I write anything else down, as if his long seven-verse greeting wasn't long enough, before I write anything else down, I want to say, and I want to begin by saying that I thank God. What I thank God for? For, uh, for God, through Jesus Christ, for all you have done, for your testimony, first, He begins prayer. He talks about prayer. And it's always best and it's always good to begin anything in prayer. We're about to get into our new building, so we really need to pray. We don't want to pray afterwards. And we do have a tendency to put first all of our energy, all of our strength, all of our efforts forward. And when everything is done possible in our own strength, then we come to the end and we say, let us pray. That is not a good idea in anything in life. The first thing we need to do 
Seek the Lord in prayer. Prayer should be the first course of action, not the last course of action. And Paul knew this. He knew that prayer was important. How can we know the heart of God in our everyday walk if we do not have a relationship with the Lord in prayer? How would I know as a pastor what to do if I don't pray? Trust me, you don't want me to go ahead and make decisions on my own. I have a small brain, and I don't want to move forward, and I make bad choices sometimes. But if I depend on the Lord and move in the Spirit and trust in the Lord, I put him first. Lord, what is for our ministry now? What do you want us to do with the outreaches? What do you want us to do with the ministries we have now? We seek the Lord daily. And so Paul knew that. He knew that was important in his ministry. Even the disciples knew that prayer was important. The disciples spent three and a half years with Christ. And what did they say? This or Jesus performed all kinds of miracles here on earth. Raise people from the dead, walk on water, you know, make the blind see. Did they say, hey, Jesus, how did you do that? No, they knew that it was prayer. So what did they ask the Lord? Lord, teach us how to pray. And there the Lord taught them how to pray. Paul says, first, I thank my God, Jesus Christ, for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Paul is thankful to God for these guys. He's thankful for their testimony that is spread throughout the world What are people saying about Calvary Chapel of Milford? Let us pray. Let us pray. Not for us to compete by, oh, please, don't let that ever be in your heart or mind or thought. Or compare churches with churches. No. That shouldn't even be in any heart of a ministry or church. We pray together. I have the pleasure of actually meeting with the pastors here on a monthly basis. Uh, Sometimes, some months, I can't make it. But we do meet, try to meet every First Friday of the month, and we'll just go to the cafe anywhere, wherever we decide to just to fellowship and encourage each other. And we pray for each other's ministry. We pray for each other's family. And that's because we're together. We're one body of Christ. It's not us against uh, the Presbyterian Church, the Methodist Church, or the other church. That's not the heart of God. And if anything, that is why if you look at our prayer list there in the back, we list the pastors and the churches nearby. That should be our heart. But we need to pray that would be a testimony, not only to those who don't know who Jesus is. A good testimony. Hey, I heard about that church, CCO, there and there in that little courtyard. Yeah, that's a crazy church, man. It's starting home. Is that okay? Is that a cult? What is that church, you know? And so whatever it is, I pray that we have a good testimony. Now, although Paul has not met uh, many of the believers in Rome, Paul knew a few. And at the end of ch- in chapter 16, Paul mentioned some of the people who he's uh, familiar with and who he knows. But he's heard of their faith. He's heard of their faith. And that's an awesome testimony. Uh, a place like Rome, that's awesome. Now, if you say, oh, yeah, I heard of someone's faith in some beautiful mountain in the Alpines, you know, uh, where you, you really don't, you're not exposed to the wildlife. But if you say, I heard your faith, and you're in the heart of New York City. Wow. I heard your faith, and you're in Rome, the heart of Rome. That's awesome. To hear of a church thriving in the heart of a city that's populated where you see sin, where you see, you know, all kinds of crazy things. You can't even go to Times Square anymore. But to find out that there's a church thriving in the heart of wickedness, in the heart where a city is dark, that is awesome. Now, to be a Christian in Rome was very, very unpopular in those days. Going back, Let's go back there and we'll find out. Here, the church in Rome unpopular, unpopular because unbelieving Roman citizens, to them, Christians were considered 
enemies of the human race. Enemies of the human race. They couldn't get along with the Jews, let alone they believed that Christianity came out, which it did, but they thought it was just part of it. In a sense it is, but it's the new covenant through Christ. And just like today, you tell some people that you're a Christian, they give you this weird face like if they're sucking a lemon. <laughs> you're one of those guys. And it's, that's, the, that's just like it was in Rome. I don't know about you, but when I hear that Christians around the world are living boldly for Christ, even especially those that are persecuted, that's what we have there in the foyer, some of those magazines, of the voice of martyr, those guys are awesome. Those are the people who are here of the faith today, today. We don't know what it's like to be persecuted here in the West. But those are the true heroes. So Paul heard their testimony in a crazy city, in a wicked city like Rome. Verse 9, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayer. In other words, we say, God can prove that what I say is true, and God knows because he's the one I'm praying to. God is my witness. And I love that when you, you share that you're praying for someone, God is my witness. I may practice that someday. Because it's easy for us to say that we'll pray for someone, and then we fail to do it. I take it seriously. If you tell me to pray, I say, I'm pray- I am praying for you. I take that seriously. If I can't pray for you there, you say, hey, I need prayer. I'll pray for you right there. Now, if I say, I will be praying, that means I'm continually to pray for you. Not just pray for you one time. I'm going to be praying, interceding for you constantly, without ceasing, continuing, laboring in prayer. And that's what we do for the church as a whole. And we do it. Paul wanted the believers to know that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayer. Now, we know that that was Paul's heart. He wanted to go to Rome. He said, I make mention of you always in my prayer, verse 10, making requests if by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Paul so desperately wanted to go to Rome and to be there with the fellowship of believers. Remember Acts chapter 19, we studied this a couple of Sundays ago. Verse 21, it said, when these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in his spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. He makes it to Corinth, and there is where he writes this letter. It won't be years till he get there. And it'll be actually 25 years ago, almost 25 to 30 years, when he gave his life to the Lord at the road to Damascus. So we're talking about an experienced scholar of the Old Testament, 25 years in the making, puts down this book that we have in our lap. It wasn't a novice. He wasn't a Christian yesterday. He was a scholar all his life. He was a believer in Jesus Christ for 25 to 30 years before he wrote this book. So that's why there's some good stuff in here. This is why this book has changed the life of so many. And so it's been his prayer to go. And, but I love what he says, the will of God, the will of God. Not his will, but God's will. Verse 11, for I long to see you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. In general, Paul is referring to spiritual strengthening. He's not imparting any specific charismatic gifts, such as uh, the gift, you know, the gift of speaking in tongues, because Paul knows that man cannot give you those gifts. The only one that could give you those gifts is God. 
man can give you. I say, well, I want to give you this gift. So who am I to say I'm going to give you this gift? The speaking in tongues, the healing, and all these things that, you know, even have the gift of evangelism. All these gifts come directly from God. But you see it's singular here in verse 11. He said gifts, gift. And he's talking about spiritual strengthening. And what Paul has, he has a gift of sharing the gospel. He has a gift of teaching. That's why he said, haven't I taught you the whole counsel of God? Speaking of every scripture, he's taught them. So he wants to share the gospel with them. Remember, it's not like sharing the gospel because they're saved already. He's not sharing the gospel to, to, to lead them to the Lord. They're already believers. He wants to share. He wants to teach. He wants to share how. This is how I teach. This is how I study. This is how I share the gospel. But we're going to see how he's going to teach them in the book of Romans. That's why when you share the gospel, those of you who have been in the body of Christ, when you share about the gospel, you go out there and evangelize, you go to the gospel. You go to the book of Romans or, or the gospel of John, the love letter to the world. And so Paul himself wrote to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. He said, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he, God himself, wills. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 12. And he himself gave some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's what the gifts are for. It's not for you to glorify, oh, I got this gift. I'm holy. You know, watch this. I'm going to lay hands on people and they're going to fall down. You know, you got power. You know, that's not what it's there for. It's not there for you to glorify yourself, for you to exalt yourself. Those gifts are to edify the church. But here Paul is speaking about strengthening, strengthening them spiritually in the faith of Christ so that he too, he too can be encouraged. Verse 11, for I long to see you that I might impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. So Paul's desire to visit a church in Rome is not merely to give to them, but also to receive. And I find that encouraging. Now, this is humbling because Paul didn't say, well, who can help me? Who can bless me? Who can teach me anything of ministry? Who can teach me the Bible? <laughs> you see, he's going there. So listen, I, I know that you can encourage me. I, I want to be encouraged by being with you guys. So not only I want to bless you and encourage you and, and, and impart to you spiritual gift, but I know that just by being with you, I too could be encouraged. I too can be encouraged. You know, Paul wanted to be blessed as well. We know that iron sharpens iron. Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. It's important to know who you're hanging out with. It's important to know who you spend most of your time with. Who is your close friend? Whether it could be a relative or it could be someone who's not related to you by, you know, family, by blood. But who is that person that's always close to you? Believe it or not, that person is influencing you. Believe it or not, you are influencing that person. And you need to be careful who you are. The Bible says, how can two walk together that don't agree? The Bible says, what does light have with darkness? So this is important. Paul knows by being with them, listen, I'm going to the church of Rome. Those guys are fire, man. Their testimony is all over, man. I want to go share them what I know, and I know I'm going to be blessed just to be there with them. I'm going to be encouraged. I'm going to be encouraged. And Paul, in the body of Christ, we are to encourage one another. Leaders, leaders need to be with the saints. And I, as a pastor, and I could tell you that I totally could relate with Paul because I, too, need to be encouraged. I, too, need to be. You know, as I pray for you, I hope you pray for me. You know, 
not that I get taller, that's not going to happen. But pray for me that I continue to be faithful to the Lord. Pray for me that I continue to have the gift of teaching. Pray for me that I be able to, to be your pastor, to lead the church, and to see God, not man, to do it God's way, do God's will, not mine. You know, I need to be encouraged, and Paul sees that. Paul knows, and I, as a pastor, I know we need to, I love to be around the saints. Me growing up, my kids, we all grew up in church. Uh, what are we doing Labor Day? Uh, we never really looked at our family. We said, what the church is doing? <laughs> what are we doing Fourth of July? I don't know. What the church is doing is always what the church is doing. Even when it came to holidays, you know, what are we doing Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year? What the church is doing? It's not that we didn't love our family. It's not that we weren't ministering to our family. But we just felt, you know, you know as much as we want to bless people, we want to be encouraged and blessed as well. And, you know, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, he says, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you are also doing. So it's for us to encourage one another, comfort one another, and edify one another. You know, the Christian faith is different than that of any other faith, in that the whole body of Christ, we give, you know, we give, we get. We share, we receive. That's the way it should be in the church. You give, people give to you. And that's the way it works with God. You know, you may study it, you know, look at it scientifically, psychologically, any other way you want to study it, but God is always faithful, you know. He says, if you give, it will come back to you. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and runneth over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it would be measured back to you. Isn't that great? You can't outgive God. Give to the Lord. Give to your brother. Give to your sister. Give to the ministry. Give your time. Give, give to the Lord. I remember I came from a church, and they used to sing this song before offering. <laughs> it, was, it was sad, you know. They like, yeah, we, we want to sing a song that can encourage people to give, you know. And they start passing the plate, and they start, yeah, give to the Lord. And, oh, let's pass the plate again. It was sad. But that's not what it's really talking about. It's talking about, yes, the Lord puts in your heart to give. That's fine. But the Lord is ready to give in ministry. Give of your time. Give of your talents, your gift. Many of you have talent and gift, and it's on the shelf. Think of the talent and gift that you've had. I don't know how old many of you are or what's your age, but let's say something you've done in the past. You're no longer doing it. You're no, no longer putting it to practice. Give it to the Lord dedicated to the Lord. I know a brother that he was an excellent electrician, very good. He could repair iPods, do run 220 lines, could wire a whole building. And he said, this is my gift. Whenever a church needed something, he volunteered his time after work in the weekends, and he would run wire. This is my gift. This is what I give to the Lord. I think that's awesome. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This incredible truth applies to us even today. We didn't do anything to warrant God's acceptance and love of us. He saw us while we were still sinners and loved us despite that. Would you like to know more about what that means for you? Please give us a call at 570-296-7367. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church family you can be a part of. The believers you'll encounter there will help you grow in your faith and offer you support in every situation. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania area, 
We'd love to have you come join us here in person at Calvary Chapel of Milford. For service times and more information, visit runningtheraceradio.com. If you'd like to listen to more messages from Running the Race, Tracy has more information on how. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor Eddie, go to runningtheraceradio.com and then click on the radio page. There you'll find today's message and many more. Thanks, Tracy. Join us next time for the continuing verse-by-verse study of Romans with Pastor Eddie Pinero right here on Running the Race. 